0: I'm uh, reading a book about the Burnhams, the missionaries that were taken captive um, in 201. Oh, actually, yeah, in the 99-201, they got free. But um, in, in the book, Gracia is writing about her husband. And she talks about Martin, who uh, really grew up in a Christian home. And, and when he was in kindergarten, made a commitment to Christ. And uh, as the the family just served God, there was a real desire in Martin's parents that they become more involved uh, with the missions in the Philippines. And uh, they kind of worked hard and uh, did ministry in different places, always trying to earn enough money to to get to this place where they could go on the mission field. And in uh, 1970, in that summer of 1970, the Burnham family went overseas. They took a a month-long journey on a boat to go and start working in the philippines and uh, martin grew up there and uh, experienced all kinds of uh just changes in heart and what god wanted to do and but when he got a little older he started coming back to school to a, a school for missionary kids in the states and he was growing and doing good and he had a real desire for um uh, flying airplanes and so he was in all kinds of programs and learning and growing and also working on airplanes and he was really developing that hunger for flying and just being around aircraft and at the point where he was either going to start working or going to college his parents came to him and said we want you to do one more thing before you go off on your own and he felt like you know i'd just been kind of doing uh doing the good things and now i'm getting to the age as a young adult i want to do my own thing and they he really didn't want to go to a year of bible college and and yet he submitted to his parents and he went for a whole year of bible college but in that time god began to move upon his heart and he got a heart more of a heart for the gospel and for what god was doing and in this time he met his his future wife gracia in college where he was going and uh, God really was developing their relationship, and uh, they got married, and he was doing really good in the field of aviation, and uh, they really realized that they could make a, a good, he could make a good living uh, being a pilot. But both of them in their heart, they had this knowing in their heart that God had called them to something more important, more spiritual, something that had a greater purpose in their life. You know, when we started this church, there were some prophetic things that kind of uh, came to us when we were just, you know, putting things together and deciding what we are going to do and how God wanted to do. And different words have come over the year that this would be a place of making disciples. You know, casual attenders, we're always welcome people to come, but it's our heart desire that you know Jesus and you become a real follower of Jesus you really let him influence your life and everything about your life? And you don't get afraid of what he might ask you to do, but you just press into a relationship with him and you let him unfold his desires in your own heart. Our message today, our title is, What's Your Jerusalem? And Jerusalem is kind of synonymous with uh, a, a greater call, a greater spiritual responsibility that God has for us, and it really played out in Jesus's life. We know Jesus uh, was born into a family where his father was a carpenter, and, you know, he he lived 30 years kind of in obscurity and uh, not really having much renown. We know that he uh, read different scriptures in Isaiah and different things about the Bible he read in the synagogue as a young person, but really he was just going along and when he started his ministry baptized in water baptized in the holy spirit and anointing by god he began to do miracles He began to feed the hungry he began to open blind eyes he began to raise the dead he began to give hope to people about their spiritual life and any person who was a recipient of any of these miracles would think of wow that was jesus's main purpose but jesus call was to go to jerusalem He had a call to give up his life. His greatest mission was to go to Jerusalem and die on the cross. And so my question goes out to you today, and I feel like I'm always challenging you in the area of discipleship, that you would ask yourself, what is my Jerusalem? He must go to Jerusalem. It was a prophetic mandate for Jesus. In Matthew 16, 21 through 23, From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised the third day. There's time spent on the journey that Jesus spent, the journey of life, the path that leads to God's greater purpose. All of us are on a journey, Some of you might be very much aware of what God has called you to do and things are unfolding. You may be a young person that has aspirations and dreams and you're kind of balancing this Christian walk and following Jesus and really kind of wondering what he has for you. And you might have aspirations on your own. But Jesus had to suffer. He had to go to Jerusalem because he had to pay for our sins. He had to pay for all of us to come back into relationship with God. He did the most incredible work by going to Jerusalem and dying on that cross because he made the way for every person ever born into this world to accept Jesus Christ, to have their sins forgiven, and to have their spirit made alive. We're born into this world dead to God, dead spiritually because of what Adam and Eve had done, and they sold us all out to Satan, the God of this world. We can't see him with our natural eye, but we know we see the evil going on that Satan and the demons are always con... Uh, trying to confuse people and destroy people's lives. But he died for our sins that we might be forgiven and come out from the bondage of the enemy and have a relationship with God and to have an ultimate home in heaven. In verse 22, the writer goes on in Matthew, Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, This shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Has anyone ever tried to talk you out of doing something spiritual? Well-meaning people, sometimes people that are fearful of what you're doing spiritually, try to distract you from doing what God wants you to do. There was a footnote in about Matthew 16:21. It says that Peter's confession marks a turning point in Jesus' ministry. For at that time Jesus begins to teach explicitly about his anointing and death, must indicates a divine necessity. I would hope that Uh, all of us have just a deeper awakening in our heart today of a divine necessity that we must go to that place of higher calling. We must pursue that place that God has for us spiritually that is going to bring far more fulfillment to us than anything we could imagine. Jesus reveals his future to his disciples. In Matthew 17, verses 22 through 23, now, while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, talking about his disciples, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised up. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. You know, one thing about us as Christians that we have to try to really get in our mindset and really uh, get comfortable with is really having just control over our emotions and our thoughts, that we're not to worry about things. We're not to worry about tomorrow. We're not to even worry about the things that we know God puts on our heart that He wants to accomplish. And as we see Jesus, He's able to put off really facing Jerusalem and and His death when it was time to go there. And I think it's something He wants us followers to do, to not worry about tomorrow but to live in the grace of God for the moment. But when we're supposed to do something very difficult and that it's hard for us to do, we will get grace in that moment to do it. In Matthew 20, verses 17 and 18, now Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the 12 disciples aside on the road and he said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes and they will condemn him to death. The message uh, title about what is your Jerusalem, again, for us to think about our spiritual mission, our purpose. And I really believe that God awakens inside of our heart those desires that he's put within us that he wants to fulfill. Not to bring fear or confusion, but to give us uh, an inkling that there's something so much greater about your life. You may not be a Billy Graham or some great person that you uh, read in the Bible, but you're equally as important in the simplest things that you will do because you're called to do them. The journey of life has joys, pleasures, and sorrows. It's just a mixture of our life here on earth. But with Jesus, there is grace to get through every sorrow, every loss, every place of grief every discomfort. And as we go through them, we grow in our character and we grow in our faith in a real God who we cannot see with our natural eyes. We're on the road. In Mark 10, 32 through 34, now they were on the road. You know, the road speaks of our journey with Jesus Christ. From the moment you're drawn by the gospel and you say yes to Jesus, you start the road you start your spiritual experience and you're on that journey that's an, a, a lifelong journey that has many twists and turns, but it's a journey that brings much excitement and fulfillment and it doesn't have a, an end of dreams, goals, and visions like natural things have for us. It's a path that leads to greater spiritual experiences and purposes Now, they were going on the road, going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them. Just as he went before his disciples, he goes before all of us. You may feel like you're alone today, but it's just your feelings, it's just your emotions, it's just your, your natural thoughts. It says in the New Testament that we know in part. The Lord tells us, don't lean on your own understanding. Because God is with us and he's going before us just like he went with his disciples. And because of Jesus Christ in your life, He you are a disciple and he's going before you. And it says that they were amazed. As you're on this journey, there will be times when you're amazed. Amazed at your problems, amazed at your situation, and times when you're utterly utterly amazed at how God is moving in your life. Even when you make big mistakes, God is there to rectify and change you and bring you out of those places and those mistakes as they followed they were afraid are you ever afraid sometimes we get afraid but jesus is with us then he took the 12 aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him it's interesting that they experienced the glory of god they saw the miracles but there was a time where he had to tell them what was going to happen and they were afraid they were disillusioned and in our walk there's times when we go through situations that are disillusioning to us as christians but you're going to make it through those places of disillusionment and god's going to come to you in a fresh way behold we are going up to jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the, and to the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. But the third day he will rise again. On your journey with the Lord, sometimes we get a little angry with him because we go through betrayal, we go through fear. We go through anxious moments. We go through times of being disillusioned. At times, the road seems lonely. It feels like the things that you hope to happen, the relationship you hoped would work out, don't work out. In John 5.30, Jesus said, I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. During Thrive, we were talking about the Our Father prayer this week. Lita was going through that. One of my favorite parts of the Our Father prayer, it's a prayer that after we've asked from God and we've come boldly before his throne, there's a place that kind of brings prayer and brings us into that place of centering with God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In Luke 11:2, we're reminded that we must bring everything and all requests unto God and ask that his will would be done and that his kingdom would be furthered. Will Jesus opt out of his Jerusalem? I think of uh, the disciple John Mark in, in Acts when they were going through and he was with Paul and Silas and Obviously, it got too intense. I think John Mark, being so young, I don't think he liked the idea of beatings, being thrown in prison, and uh, he said, I'm out of here. But later on, we find that he becomes of great value to Paul in the New Testament. And so there's times where we, we run from our call. We run from our Jerusalem, our greater purpose, in God's kingdom. Sometimes there's things in the world that distract us to seem of more important, but we don't go too far or too long when we realize a lot of things we're going after, they're so temporal, they only have fulfillment for a short time, and by God's grace, we're able to come back and get on that road to our Jerusalem again. In Matthew 26, 36-39, it says that Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and I pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Again, he knew his Jerusalem was the cross, but in the last three and a half years, he doesn't face the greatest pain and the greatest hardship the greatest trial of his Jerusalem and going to the cross until the moment he has to face it. So he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Facing our Jerusalem is our greatest test of our will. And maybe you've come to that place before and you're asking, Hey God, I know this is what you want from me, but if it's possible, take this cup from me. But he said, Yes, not as I will, but as you will. A second prayer in Matthew twenty six forty two. He went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it. Again, he's wrestling, I don't really want to go to the cross. It was great representing you, God, seeing people healed and touched. But unless he went to the cross, everything he did would have been fruitless and futile. If he'd have just healed a few people, unless he went to the cross to die for our sins, to make a way for us to have eternal life and a relationship with God, it would have been worthless. My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. A third prayer, Matthew 26, 44. Now, Jesus left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Again, I have to be honest. I fear the cross. I resisted being a pastor most of my life because I knew I wasn't capable, I I knew I had a lot of weaknesses. I I couldn't really speak that well. I had a little dyslexia going on. But like Dory got up in the chair today, it seems like God chooses us and uses our very weaknesses that he might get his glory and we might accomplish something greater than we could have done on our own. It's okay to fear the cross. It's already okay to fear what God's will will cost us. It's just a right thing to do. As we wrestle, as Jesus wrestled in the garden with our Jerusalems, we get closer to God and we find the grace to keep going forward and to keep walking the path that God has for us. Again, we're always afraid of missing out on something. But to miss out on God's will for our life is a greater loss. We know that in the story of the rich young ruler. He was all happy, but when he heard what Jesus wanted for him, it says he, he, he turned away because he couldn't do it, but he went away in sorrow. Heidi Baker is uh, one of those persons in our time that is very anointed by the Holy Spirit, does incredible works of, in miracles in Africa. And she said this, Have you ever questioned whether you should take the next step in ministry God has called you to? Most believers have. Fear of failure, fear of the unknown, or even God asking them to do something they don't feel equipped to do holds many Christians back. In truth, some experience Real danger when they obey God's call, but the Bible tells us we are not to be afraid, because of His perfect love will cast out our fear. In 1 John 4:18. We have certainly had our share of dangerous situations. People have shot at us, thrown us in jail, and kicked us out of our homes. I have been shipwrecked, beaten, carjacked stoned and threatened with knives and guns in fact i can no longer count the number of times my life has been threatened when it happens now i often laugh being in love with god brings a fearlessness that surpasses understanding he is worth it all once in mozambique i was walking down the street Without warning, a truckload of police raced up to the street and pulled up in front of us. Eight men with assault rifles pointed them at my head. They told me to get into the truck. They were going to take me to jail because I had recently been preaching in the prisons without permission. I laughed at them and refused to get into the truck. I told them, I will walk with you alongside the truck to go to jail. Once there they put me in a room but then the police chief who really wanted me in jail was called away for an emergency so that the police let me go but told me I had to come back the next day at 8 in the morning <clears throat> I felt like the holy spirit told me to go to the to 8 o'clock to go into <laughs> I felt like the holy spirit told me to go in at 8 o'clock sharp I did not know the reason why, but I obeyed. It turns out that the chief had just left on an emergency business when I was there for a second time. I asked the ranking policeman what his name was. He told me, and it was a biblical name. I shared about this policeman's namesake and prayed for him to meet Jesus. And at once the Holy Spirit fell on him. Not only did the policeman let me go, But he also spoke to his police chief on our behalf. That month, our ministry received an official letter allowing us to minister in all the jails and prisons in the province. What could they do? What can anyone do when you are fearless? When you cannot be made to fit into preconceived boxes, even people who want to think of you as an enemy will not know what to do with you. But you can be truly fearless only when you are in love, when you are immersed and yielded to the point that you do not care about the cost, the world will not understand. They don't know what to do with the kind of fearlessness that comes from being drowned in his love. You will need this courage. When God puts a dream inside your heart, you can expect that it will cost you something. The destiny he wants to release through your life is no light manner Seek this vision fearlessly. It is the most joyful thing that you can ever do, but it is also a sacred mandate to practice that sacrificial love. When you are in love with God and ready to pay any price to serve him, you won't be afraid. And what the world can do to you, you will know that your life is not your own to use or to lose. God is in charge, and his purposes will prevail. Joseph's Jerusalem was Egypt. We know his brothers were jealous of him and sold him into slavery because he had had a dream. And it was a prophetic dream that God had given him that all of his brothers were bowing down to him and that even his father would bow down to him. He knew what it was to be rejected, betrayed by those closest to him. Jerusalem Egypt was the cross for Joseph and the death to his self. But Jerusalem had a payout, resurrection's glory. In Genesis 45, 4-5, when he had been restored to his brothers, Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve your life. In verse 7 of Genesis 45, Joseph said to his brothers, God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Your Your Jerusalem, should you choose it, will preserve the lives of others. We also have a Jerusalem. In Matthew 16, 24-27, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. It's interesting, you know, a lot of times we're afraid of what it's going to cost us but the reward is far greater the glory the what we share it in the fulfillment of doing what god wants is far greater than the pain we have when we're dying in a place where we feel like it's a cross or we feel like doing god's will is painful our key verse for today and i feel like it's a prophetic phrase we are going to jerusalem In Luke 18.31, Jesus took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. It's interesting, interesting he included his disciples in the we are going up to Jerusalem. It was kind of like a forecast of what they were going to have to go through someday in their decision to follow him. The author of your story records your story in Psalms 139, 16. As your name is written in the book of life because you received Jesus, your story is already written. The thing we all have to do is keep our eye on Jesus, keep walking with him, keep walking in fellowship with him so that we might fulfill that in the moment we'll have grace to go through those hard things that he has for us to go through. When we face Jerusalem and accept its way in our life, we also accept God's grace and the ability to overcome what Jerusalem will cost us. What's our life's mission and journey? It starts very natural. Time spent with the author, time on that journey, learning the Father's will. First things first, we learn how to sit at Jesus' feet, learning and growing out of relationship with him. We know our lifestyle today is a Martha lifestyle, very busy, always trying to take us away from spending time with Jesus. But there was something in Mary's heart, you might call it her Jerusalem, in that place where she gave up the distractions of life and even the busyness, she learned to sit at Jesus' feet. She learned to have communion with him and she grew spiritually and in fellowship with him. then our life will become fruitful in our life's purpose because sitting with Jesus will become aware. We become aware of the things that have eternal fulfillment and spiritual purpose. Become determines what God's going to do. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face, his will to go to Jerusalem. There are times in our life where time that we're in, the season that we're in changes us and there are times when we change our focus and change our perspective and we start moving more towards our Jerusalem. Because we have a loving relationship, we can set our will to follow Jesus in those directions that would seem uncomfortable and not desirous. Once we once said no to God about, now we can say yes. There is a time we set our will to do what may not seem safe or rational to us. What is your Jerusalem? I feel like my Jerusalem has been Hollister. In 1989, I I had a prophetic conference. There's a lot of prophetic words that go out to people, but the ones that resonate in your heart, those are the words for you. Those are the words that you can bank on and know that this is what God is saying to you because they confirm what He's already been saying in your heart. David Chalk, a man who's gone now, was an incredible man of God. I had the privilege of being prophesied by him over him over my life by him and seeing him ministered a number of times in my life. And the first thing he said to me so resonated because I felt like I was always under this restrictions and I felt like there were by my parents by authority, but also by God. The first thing he said to me was, under harness, I have put upon you the harness that I might continue to work and perfect that which concerns my purposes. Yes, that I might instruct and impart that I might cause you to be a building of divine principles and purpose. Maybe God is trying to shape you into this place where he wants you to come under his, his grace and his power that you can be harnessed for something greater in your life something with purpose. And then one of the most humble persons, pastors, most humble prophet I've ever heard spoke this to me, and I felt like this word that he spoke is ongoing and continually speaking into my life, even though it started in 1989. I have directed you in a sovereign way. I have been in a process of building that which is going to be a pleasure in my own sight. There have been things that the Lord has focused on in your life, a reprogramming of your thinking, a reprogramming of your priorities, and the Lord has led you in a variety of ways and a variety of experiences and roads. And they've all been to prepare you. And I had it right in there for my Jerusalem Hollister. though you've had some degree of responsibility and involvement and in activity, and it is only but the beginning. As it were, because I am building a foundation upon which I can build a superstructure of productive ministry that will be a glory and an honor to the Lord. For both of you are to be people who are concerned about the kingdom of God and whose hearts are concerned about building up the church. A foundation you can't really see but I feel like you guys here are the superstructure that that was prophetically said to us back in 89, that somehow you would grow up here because of this church. You would grow up as apostles, disciples, whatever it could be, whatever God has for you, that you're going to grow up under it, and you're going to find great purpose and fulfillment, but also at times there's going to be pain and apprehension about the things that God wants you to do. But be encouraged. God is not going to ask you to do something that you can do on your own. He's going to ask you to do something that's far greater than your ability so that you humbly have to submit and trust him as he walks you through it. It took a good 10 years from that prophecy. I started Bible college. I was working full-time. I started taking on more responsibility at church. We became elders in this 7-year period, of this 10-year period. And it's like, yeah. I was very resistant. I knew God wanted us to be full-time, and he opened doors, and it happened in 1999, and we came down here. But it's so awesome to follow Jesus. You can have different goals, different careers, different things that take you along in this journey, but it's okay when God gives you another challenge a spiritual challenge, a spiritual purpose that's greater than what you've been finding fulfillment on your job or in life. Because that love relationship and what God has for you, it just offers you something more. And the things of the world seem to lessen their hold on us because of our love with God. Jerusalem's. Jerusalem is the ultimate destination. Jerusalem is the life journey to God's mission and assignment Jerusalem is God's perfect will. Jerusalem, of all things done in life, this is the greatest. Jerusalem, of all the places lived in or visited, this one was the most important. There are many blessings and joy, joys while on the journey to Jerusalem. Paul's Jerusalem. It was a journey of devoted religion, in Acts nine three through six, and he was approaching Damascus on his mission. A light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?" "Who are you, Lord?" Saul asked. The voice replied, "I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do." In Acts 21:10 through 13, a certain prophet named Agabus came Down to Judea, when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And now we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am already not only to be bound, but also ready to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Here he was, turned around, spun around off that donkey and set on a path that he was willing to suffer and die because of the call of God in his life. Peter, the apostle of Jesus, once a young disciple, deserted Jesus for fear of losing his life. But after his restoration, when he, he saw Jesus at the resurrection in John twenty-one eighteen, it says, Jesus told him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Peter, when you were younger, you clothed yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and clothe you and carry you where you do not wish to go. Thus, Jesus spoke signifying by what death Peter would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, Jesus said to Peter, Follow me. We fear Jerusalem and resist it, but we must go towards it. But when it's time, we will have grace to face it. Ah, Jerusalem. Paul's now at the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4, 6-8. Paul says... For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also all, all of us who love his appearing. Jerusalem is life's journey in Christ Jesus. It's full of pain. It's full of joys and supernatural encounters with the Lord, but it ends in honor and eternal life with our Lord Jesus Christ.